The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live, turning the spotlight on the big issues and the people behind them. It's 10 minutes after 8. Thank you so much for tuning in to AM Live. And it is, of course, time now for the Forum at 8. Now, there's a lot of talk. We've been talking about uh, the student protests that are ongoing. And the National Student Financial Aid Scheme, uh, they, of course, are also somewhat involved in this some would say even at the center of this because it's all about the money and funding and making sure that the students are able to pay for their studies uh, the national student financial aid scheme has now launched a new funding system that will see students applying for funding directly to the fund now previously students applied to their tertiary institutions of choice and those institutions would then be tasked with helping to arrange the nasfas funding for the students and under the new model students will apply once and will be funded for the duration of their qualification provided of course they perform um, uh, optimally academically so we'll get you know question answers uh, you know to those questions that arise around those sort of issues and and uh, we welcome your calls because if you are affected by this directly, then surely you will have more pointed questions in this regard. So call us on 891 You can SMS us on 34701. Tweet your Facebook AM Live on SAFM. And joining us for the discussion this morning uh, in our Joburg studios, Mr. Victor Rambau, who is Head of Business Enablement at the National Student Financial Aid Scheme. Thanks so much for coming through this morning. Uh, morning, Sakina, and morning to SAFM listeners. So let's just get straight into it. What exactly prompted the changes in the funding system? So, Sakina, there, there are actually a whole lot of uh, things that prompted uh, this change into the, the model that we use. But maybe let me provide context as to how are currently th- uh, things happening. So when a student uh, uh, applies for financial assistance, they go to a university where they meet with their financial aid officers the process of applying will then start there and we will receive forms after a decision has been made at a university level. That that process on its own has got too many delays. You, you, you may have heard or observed in the media that students are making uh, calls where they're saying, how is it that we receive funding in May or June? Mm. It's simply because of the logistics that is involved. And we then decided to say, if we were to improve on that, we need to do things in one central area. But most importantly, the other aspect uh, talks to who did we fund using that model? We, we, we found ourselves in a position where we have students who were not deserving that were funded. And, and simply because the processes at that level were not robust enough to be able to identify who are the actually uh, intended beneficiaries of NSOs from, from the point of view where we're saying we need to target the poorest of the poorest. That, that's how we came about uh, deciding to then centralize everything and put it through to, to, to NSFAS. So I, I actually do remember, uh, you know, the minister and others, um, I think Mr. Dhaka, we spoke to uh, some point ago. And, and, and so you've been piloting this program, this particular project for about uh, three years or so. Uh, I'll speak under correction at uh, at least 11 universities and colleges. So what sort of lessons uh, were thrown up there? So, yes, you're correct. We, we started the pilot in 2013, and, and uh, one of the key reasons uh, behind the pilot was to say, let's try to understand the environment because the environment is actually dynamic in its own nature. You've got TVET colleges, you've got universities, traditional universities and comprehensive universities. 
they are all uh, across the country in different geographic uh, uh, areas. So one of the key challenges with uh, with the centralized model that we actually identified actually spoke mainly around issues that talked to disbursement of uh, allowances. And that is uh, simply because allowances are determined at a university level. So when we uploaded information that related to those different allowances, you will find a student who is studying at University A asking a student who is studying at University B to say, how come is your allowance a thousand rand, for example, for food, and the student at University B was saying, well, my allowance is two thousand rand. And, and that, that's something that we, we learn from and we're saying, now we'll aggregate everything in one central area and we'll manage things appropriately from that aspect. So, 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 uh, just in terms of the students, you know, uh, you're talking about how the disbursement, you know, may uh, be actually uh, quantified, but who, uh, who actually qualifies for NASFAS funding? So, who qualifies for NASFAS funding? Uh, maybe let's bring it back to, to the social dynamic uh, that we faced with. We, we, we then saying we would want to target the poorest of the poorest. And obviously, you need to be a South African citizen. If you look at the social grant database, you at least have, give or take, 180,000 matriculants who are actually on, on SASA. Uh, and would want to target those as, as first uh, beneficiaries. But obviously we understand, given the current challenges that we're going through with regards to fees, we would want to extend uh, uh, our help to other students. So we're then saying you, you, you need to be in that category of the poorest of the poor. That's the first one. Secondly, you need to be academic deserving. That, that's the second aspect that we would look at. And then, of course, looking at some of the changes that are being proposed right now, um, it, traditionally you would find the students, the student uh, financial aid offices at the various institutions. How exactly is that going to change? So w- what is changing really is the centralizing of the application process and the decision making. The aspect of assistance on the ground, financial aid offices, uh, will remain because they are in touch with, with students on the ground and will also complement with our own NSFAS staff. And this is simply to make sure that the new system that we're implementing, there's also proper handover and understanding at, at, at that level. So the financial aid office will, will remain. Its function is actually very critical, more so that we have now centralized everything in one area. So given what's been happening with the student protest and uh, all the other hiccups going on around student financial aid, um, have the students been informed? Are you, are you satisfied at this point that they all are aware of what the system entails at this point for them to apply for funding? So w- when we started this journey at the beginning of the year, we went through extensive engagement uh, sessions as early as beginning of May. Even up to now, we continue to engage with students. We invited initially the SRC leadership, uh, then we realized that you actually need to broaden it slightly, then we increased the number of representatives in, in those engagements, and we continue to, to be on campus either by invite from the student leaders or on our own, we see the need to then say, let's go and re-engage at that particular university because there seemed to be a misunderstanding of what the system is all about. So you satisfied that they know where to go, they know what the procedure is at this point? We we satisfied, mainly so on, on university students. But one needs, needs to emphasize the, the fact that with our matriculants, because this is the first time we're doing things this way, we, we, we still continue to, 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 to engage in our outreach programs. We continue to, to bring in different stakeholders who can re- help us to, to reach the masses. As an example, we, together with the Department of Social Development, through their 
Sasa Grant uh, program that they've got a team uh, that, that works with kids on the ground through the ECBND project. We, we, we cover the entire country. They've got uh, centers across the country. So we're reaching out students through, through, through that platform. We, we engaged with, with NYDA. We would want students to go through those channels as well to, to get help. And, and, and then lastly, but not least, through the Methodist Church of Southern Africa, we've also engaged. They, they, they are willing to help. Actually, as a matter of fact, we, we've started uh, a distribution of uh, forms and engaging on the ground in the Eastern Cape region because we identified that to be one of the critical areas that we need to focus on. So is this primarily done online? Uh, because I hear you talking about the distribution of forms now. So, so, so how exactly does the process work? So the process uh, works this way. We, we've got four different channels that you can apply. The, the first one, obviously, seeing that you know, the global market is going through a digital migration uh, 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 process, we would want to urge students to apply online because it simplifies the process of handling forms in the back end. But we, we understand the dynamics on the ground. It's not every child who's got access to, to a computer, more so certain schools in rural areas, they don't have network connectivity. So students can also scan their, their application forms and send them through via our email or fax, or they can actually post the application forms through to, to, to NSFAS. So, so then the students in those rural areas that you talk about, where would they even find the forms? So th- there are different avenues where students can find the forms. The first one is uh, we've got ECBND centers across the country. They, they're actually right there in the, in the deepest of the deepest rural areas. Uh, the second one is uh, through your NYDA channels. So the form is actually available online. If if you can print the form and complete it and send it through to us via the post of the facts, that, that, that is okay. Then through the Methodist Church uh, channel, we, we will also be, be sending forms. And lastly, but not the least, uh, Sakina, we, we know matriculants are writing exams, and I, may, I, may, I must uh, wish them good luck on that. We, we will be uh, making sure that before they finish the exams, uh, those that we have not reached, we, we would have reached them. So many people making the point that um, NASFAS is a loan and, and emphasizing that point that it is indeed a loan. And um, how much are you currently owed as NASFAS? So we, we, we owned a, a lot of money. How much is a lot uh, of money? We, we talk over 21 billion rand. Uh, this is the amount of money that we, we are owned. Uh, I suppose there could be a question as to of that, how much do you think you'll be able to collect? And and this is a really a, a critical issue for us. And, and I would want to plea with our, our fellow South Africans, th- those who were assisted by NSFAS before, it, it's only proper for you to assist those who are coming after you. So if you can please help us by paying back. And, and what, what we're asking is not a lot, Sakina. We're saying as minimum as 80 rand a month. If you were to pay that, it will go a long way. You, you can imagine if a million of our beneficiaries were to pay 80 rand a month, you're looking at 80 million rand a month. Throughout the year, you could at least collect 960 million rand, close to a billion rand. That, that will go a long way with assisting students going forward. So you 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 actually pleading with people to pay. They've shown that they are not paying. What are you going to do differently? Sakina, so, so we, we've got different avenues, but, but uh, I think the first one is to, 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 to continue to plea. We, we don't want to go to the last resort. The last resort is that which then says, we will track you as an, any data will be tracked. If we find you and you're still not willing to pay, unfortunately, we'll have to start the legal process. And, and this could easily 
lead into us getting you to be blacklisted. There's, there's no other way that we'll collect unless if people are willing to, 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 to pay on their own. Oh, okay. I'm not sure about the efficacy of that particular method, but uh, love to hear from you. 0891 SMS is to three four seven zero one. Tweet or Facebook us at AM Live on SAFM or at Sakina Kamwendo. Here's a question. Um, Lakim Tetwa. Lucky says. Um, he disagrees with you. He says you are lying blatantly because people don't have to be the poorest of the poor to actually qualify for NASFAS. Uh, look, maybe like he needs to, to unpack that, that question uh, with regards to me lying. I think that that's something that we can debate. The, the fact of the matter is we understand education, it's very expensive in the country. The, the, the money that we have, as it's given to us by Treasury, is not enough to fund each and every student that is deserving to, to be funded. Therefore, you need to, to come with a certain criteria as to who do you fund first. Uh, with with the 10 billion rand that we have, it's not enough. So the criteria for us to make sure that uh, at least we we target those who, without any other alternative, nothing will happen beyond the the metric uh, year year of study. We then saying let's target the SASA grant beneficiaries first, because those from a country point of view they are categorized to be the poorest of the poor that the definition of the poorest of the poor is neither here nor there and part of it i suppose it may talk to how do you budget your own finances which as a result you can be able to afford to to take student uh, i mean your children to, to to university and it's another debate on its own so um are there any other entities that you're working with Fiso shabalalas asks why are you uh, uh are you working with NIDA, uh, for example? Are you working with the CETAs? You know, what sort of collaborations do you have at the moment? So the, the, the CETAs, we, we work with CETAs. Uh, part of, uh, actually, they are buzzers. They have uh, given us the mandate to manage those buzzers on, on their behalf. They do have their own uh, requirements as to who should then be given those buzzers. So year on year, we, we continue to engage with them. And, and I think there's also... Uh, an opportunity there uh, for for us and CETAs to actually extend the service that we give to our students because beyond graduation, there's placement. So, you know, if we were to engage differently with CETAs, I think we can actually also extend uh, the service where we can make sure that our graduates are actually placed uh, in, in, in job opportunities. So what's stopping you from actually having that sort of uh, relationship with them? The, the, the engagements are ongoing. Uh, the relationship is there, but both parties actually had to, 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 to recognize the fact that we, we have different mandates. Ours is to provide funding. Theirs is also to, 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 to place uh, graduates, but uh, we continue to engage and make sure that we actually make this thing work better. Hence, one, one of the critical elements, uh, Sakina, with our student-centered model, we, we're saying if we can then have everything in one centralized database, we'll be able to keep track of where students are at any given stage, which makes it easy for us to then engage with CITAS because you can track where students are with regards to, to, to the year of studies, when are they're going to graduate then before they can actually exit the university system but then you would have engaged with CITAS to say you've got so many engineers that are, will be coming out through the different CITAS can we please uh, work together to help to place them and 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 before you, you you go to a centralized system a paper-based system will then mean you must go and dig down in boxes to see who has graduated on which field but with the system we'll be able to keep track of that uh, immediately so with the system as it stands if you are already on the system you don't have to qual- you don't have to register again 
for 2017, for example? Well, maybe let's differentiate the two. Registration is a different issue in the sense that you need to register and have an active NSFS account. But with regards to you having to reapply for funding, Mm -hmm. we're saying no, as long as you are funded by NSFAS this year, we will migrate you to the student-centered model, provided that you meet the minimum uh, academic uh, criteria for you to advance to the following year, your funding is guaranteed. The minimum, we're saying at least past 50% of your subjects. Uh, Then you, you will be funded going to the next year. That is, of course, our guest this morning, Mr. Victor Rambau, who is head of the Business Enablement at uh, National Student Financial Aid Scheme. 891 we have some calls. Uh, let's speak to Anonymous in Port Elizabeth first. Good morning. Good morning, Sakin. How are you? Well, and you? I'm fine. Ma'am, I've listened to Mr. Rambau iterate, reiterating the fact that uh, the poorest of the poor qualify. I'm a government employee. I earn over 500000 per annum. However, when you look at my financial obligations, which are not necessarily luxuries, but basics that I must have, I'm not able to put my daughter through university. What criteria is there to accommodate people like me, ma'am? Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Anonymous. Uh, This is uh, Musia in uh, Johannesburg. Good morning. Hi, good morning, uh, Sakina. How are you? Uh, Well, thanks. Is it Mohsin? Yes, it's Mohsin. Uh, Welcome. Thank you, Sakina. Uh, Sakina, I'd just like to find out, um, in terms of funding the students, um, what would actually happen if uh, the students fail um, in the first year? I mean, what happens to that money? Uh, you know, because it's always uh, obviously an investment that's been put into the students. Um, and if the students perhaps fall out or they fail in the first year, does that money then go to waste? Ah, so, so, so what you're asking, Mohsin, is they, if whether they still have the obligation to repay, uh, yes. even though they would have fallen out of the system yes. at that stage. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Would there be like any terms and conditions that would be attached to it? Perfect. Thank yes. you so much for the Thank question. Um, Zwandile in PE, good morning to you. Morning, Sakin, and to your guest. Eh? Uh, three quick questions for me. The first one is uh, accommodation. Uh, what is the, um, what is the percentage of the fees that it makes uh, uh, of the of the university per year? And and secondly, what is the yearly inflation rate of university fees? Are they all the same throughout the country, or are they on a or do they differ from university to university? And the third one, uh, Sakina, do you know some of these raises? have actually been paid off in the 1980s, and I don't understand why they are charging such exorbitant fees from these students. And I'm, I want to ask the gentleman there, would he be open to a private uh, sector solution which would look at reducing the cost of, at the least, the accommodation of these students uh, at university? And please, if he, if he could, after the show, could he leave his contact details there uh, so that people such as us could contact him directly to make proposals of how some of these issues can be resolved with private uh, sector participation. Thank you. Well, do. Mzwandile, equally, I'm going to put you back to our producers, so you leave your details and we'll pass them on as well. Thanks for the call. Uh, Kevin and Ladysmith, good morning to you. Morning, Sakina. Sakina, I've just got a question for your guest. Um, In terms of um, grace, can you give us an indication of, of a breakdown of the loans issued to the various groups of uh, students in terms of race. 
Great. Thank you so much, Kevin. So quite a few questions to get through here. Some comments as well. As Tembile Seja says, a fair is fair. We must pay back our loan so that future generations can benefit as well. Uh, Zolani Simia on a different track comes in saying, it's not true that NASFAS accepts even 80 rand per month. It's just not true. NASFAS behaves like SARS. I don't know why. Um, the problem uh, with the, uh, the repayment is that they don't want to accept what people offer to pay. They imp- Pose what one should pay. So all of those questions we'll come back and answer uh, with uh, Victor just after the news break because it is 8.30 right now. It's your favorite time of the morning. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo. Favorite time of the morning on AM Live. And this morning uh, we are talking to the National Student Financial Aids, uh, Mr. Victor Rambau, and uh, we're talking about uh, the new funding system and taking some very interesting questions from you this morning. And the lines are open 0891-104-208. You can SMS us on 34701, tweet or Facebook, AM Live on SAFM or at Sakina Kamweno. Do remember uh, those uh, SMSs will cost you one rand. So let's just answer the questions because many more coming through, Victor. Uh, Let's start with uh, the question raised by Anonymous about, you know, not being the poorest of the poor, but still being unable to afford. Uh, yes, uh, Anonymous said, uh, you know, he, he earns more or less around about 500,000 per, per annum. So the issue around the poorest of the poor, and one is to make uh, this point and, and, and make it clear. We, we, we're saying we would want to fund everyone who deserves funding. But uh, the limited resources that we have make it impossible for us to fund everyone. But be that as it may, when we fund the first bucket, call it uh, the first bucket, if I may, the, the poorest of the poor, we then look into the next group. What we look at then is what we call expected family contribution. Expected family contribution will vary depending on how much the total uh, family uh, income is. Sometimes you could end up finding that you you need to only contribute maybe 2,000 rand uh, towards the fees. But when when we then process the, the, the loan applications, we look at everyone where we run short of money that becomes our cutoff point. Mm. And uh, Mohsin wanted to know about dropouts. So uh, you receive the funding, you have to uh, drop out or you're not uh, progressing uh, academically. Do those people still have to pay back? Yes, th- those people still have to pay back. But we, we need to be realistic around this because uh, our policy says you, you can only pay once you are employed. Now, if you drop out and there's nothing that happens beyond that with your life, it means that money is literally lost by the country. So, yes, you will still be expected to pay once you get employment. We would, would want to, 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 to see you paying and honor that loan. And then um, Zwandile's question about uh, what percentage of your funding actually goes towards accommodation, the inflation, uh, and how it differs from institution to institution. And also, are you open to uh, private, sector, uh, private sector solutions to the accommodation problem? So maybe let's start with the yearly inflation on, on university fees. Uh, NSFAS does not set university fees, so it, it will be difficult for us to make any pronouncement on, on, on that. So I will leave that, that question out so that we, we engage it at, at a university level. Then with regards to the percentage of fees that goes to accommodation, we, we need to understand we've got 26 universities across the country. Each university, by virtue of its own location, it will be subjected to different costs to, to other universities. So a university in the rural area, 
accommodation fees will be less compared to a university in an urban area. But maybe one needs to, to, to make this point that when we provide funding for the student, there are two key fundamental issues that we look at. The first one is you need to get to university, which means your tuition fees is important. We, we, we look at that first. And critical for your success is obviously that you need to have textbooks and then you must obviously eat and be accommodated. So the sequencing on how funding happens, given the bucket that we will have provided to the student, must be applied in that manner that I've mentioned. And then um, there was a question from Kevin about uh, the racial breakdown in terms of uh, your funding. So the, the racial breakdown, I think uh, th- this question, let, let me think properly about it. Uh, I will need to to be clear with my numbers here so that we don't find ourselves being quoted out of context. So if you look at uh, NSFAS, uh, the, the mandate says poorest of the poor, and then we need to be realistic about this. It's not all races that are, are poor to the level that uh, most uh, black races are, and black meaning your African, Indian, and coloreds. So in total combined, uh, I would say 80% of, of our funding goes to, 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 to black Africans. So that's the extent of the breakdown that you have? That's the extent of the breakdown that we have. I'm sure that won't satisfy you, uh, Kevin. And maybe we can ask you, Mr. Rambao, to please go and look into that a little more closely. Uh, Because if it is poorest of the poor, it shouldn't matter what race you are. If you can't afford, you can't afford and should be able to um, apply to NASFAS. Having said that, though, uh, we'll come back to that question as and when you have an answer for us. We'll keep Silo responsible to come back with that answer. And uh, just a few SMS before I go back to the lines there uh, Malushozi says uh, the fact that callers have so many questions for the NASFAS rep shows how opaque or non-transparent the system actually is and Tony says why does NASFAS not make loan application forms available at SASA offices around South Africa because those are everywhere well, actually, you know, you just preempted a uh, discussion that we had with the Department of Social Development yesterday. That's the channel that we're going to, to use. And, and we must admit, uh, uh, Sakina, on this one, that the centralized model, we, we started with a few pilots, uh, which was a few universities, 15% of our students in year one. Then we moved into the next phase, which was 30%. It's only this year that we are running across 100% of all NSFAS-funded students. Hence, you know, in, on, 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 out there, the outrage is not as fast as anyone would want to see it. But I must emphasize the funding that we have, most of it is already taken by retaining students. These are students who were funded this year by NSFAS. And uh, just going back to the issue that was raised there by uh, Zolani about the repayment, saying that the problem is that NASFAS doesn't want to accept what you offer to pay. They want to impose how much you should pay. I I suppose this is a point that we we need to, to deliberate further on. Uh, we, we are willing to take the minimum of eight rand. And if there are those uh, callers out there who believe we were not willing to engage, we, we are open to, to re-engage. We understand that uh, when it comes to fin- finances and budgeting, different families experience different difficulties. But all we're pleading is at least pay something. And that something should be a minimum of eight rand. So has that been communicated to the people who are actually responsible for collecting these fees? Because you may be saying one thing here on the radio and when people call in and try to make arrangements, they are told, no, actually, it doesn't work that way. It, it has been co- uh, communicated, but arrangement must also be realistic. You, you can't earn a million rand per annum and say you can't pay 
600 rand a month. We, 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 we need to, to look at that as well. So arrangements will be looked at on an individual basis, given that we all experience uh, challenges individually. But so currently, how do you determine how much should be paid back? So what, what we look at, uh, Sakina, we're saying if you earn 30,000 rand per annum, the minimum that you should then pay should be 80 rand per month. Then we calculate it going forward like that based on the total uh, cost of company that you earn on, uh, on an annual basis. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live, turning the spotlight on the big issues and the people behind them. And we're talking about the National Student Financial Aid Scheme this morning, taking your questions at 0891 104208. Ntate and Calvin, good morning to you. Ah, Sakina, ever exuberant, not necessary to ask how are you. Welcome to the show as always. <laughs> Sakina, you know, uh, it's really not a question, but a problem that one experiences. Um, you know, like I had pointed out before, we run a very tiny uh, class fund uh, assisting student at tertiary. The biggest problem in paying are in repaying, because one interviews the students and then urges them that once they work, they should contribute. We don't even say pay back. We say contribute back whatever you can so we can help the students that are in the same circumstances that you are in now as we are prepared to help you. You sponsor them. We pay for books. We pay for tuition. We pay for stationery. We always avoid accommodation because that's the most expensive item on sponsoring. The students complete I actually focus at Fall University of Technology. The student completes his diploma. He goes out there, point number one, to get an internship, like an electrical engineering student that I had. He, goes, he completes with very good marks. Now he's got to do an internship so he can get a certificate. It took this child one year and five months to get just an internship, let alone a job, just an internship. Eventually he gets an internship, he completes, and in most cases these children either can't get a job when they graduate or when they graduate they, um, they have to uh, uh, assist at home. For instance, I had uh, uh, students that when I followed them up to donate something back so I can uh, help other students, you find that they are building houses for their parents at Mm. home. Mm. So this is the problem that we are facing. Lack of employment when they complete, lack and even of uh, getting internship. I have a child who has done internal auditing. It's three years now, Sakina. She's been hoping from and one internship to another, and some internships don't even pay for that matter. And we expect these children to pay back. That is why they have such a big log of monies that are owing to NESFAS. These children cannot just afford the circumstances that they are faced with when they complete are unbearable. Okay, got you then, Tate Bokhose, and we'll uh, respond to that. Johannes and Clarkstorp, hello. Uh, thank you, Sakina. Morning, Sakina. I see your hands are full now. We want to finish this, <laughs> story, this story of uh, uh, Fisma Fall. 
Sakina, I hear Mr. Calvin, Calvin uh, to say we've got 26 universities. Now we have to run quickly because there's no more time. Uh, I think Mandela Bay University, uh, we have now 25. We ask her to say others University, universities, they must follow suit to the uh, statement done by uh, Mandela Bay University to say this case must be taken to court. A court will take a decision. Uh, you ask a lot of questions for, for the, the gentleman there, and we are very, very happy. Now, we can see nobody can be able to solve this problem unless the court decision. What I'm, I'm asking, it is only to say to take the route follows to the Mandela Bay University to, to say, Mr. Kelvin, uh, he can also be there to give his side of the story to the court so that the court can decide to say uh, families earning up to 10,000 upwards, they can be able to pay because me and everybody here, it is very difficult. And when we present this to the student, I think when the court take a decision, is going to be acceptable to the student, acceptable to the witness, acceptable for the future. It is only I, I wanted to please to say. 26 universities, one is already out, put uh, the situation on the table to say we go via uh, a court so that a decision can be taken there. Thank okay. you, Sakina. Thank you so much uh, there um, uh, for that call. And that was uh, Johannes Artin Klerksrop. Anza in Midran, good morning. Morning, Sakina. How are you? Well, and you? I'm fine, thank you. Um, my, my question is a slightly different nature. Um, I've never been on NFS. I've never even applied for NFS, but I'm getting, I think for over a year now, I've been getting SMSs um, reminding me that I need to start paying and um, reminding me that I need to update my details and things like that. I have no idea where I need to start now to get rid of this because it's actually starting to affect um, perfect other things. I recently got a job and during the vetting process, they picked up that um, I've got this NASFIS outstanding um, payment. I've never been on NASFIS. Mm, okay. Interesting one. And I'll tell you what, I'm going to put you back to our producers. Let them take your details and one that can be resolved offline. And do let us know uh, if and when it does get resolved and how. Um, Anonymous in Durban, good morning. Anonymous? Okay, uh, some problem getting Hello. Through. Hi, Anonymous. Hello. Yes, my, my question is about the family contribution, which we agree should be done. But the problem is that the NASFAS office, for example, at UKZN, I would call it. On the first year, we continued finding out about, uh, you know, a student that whether they owe money or not. And they were told no until it came to the exam, the final exam, where the results were withheld, and we had to run around to contribute about 3,000 rand. The last year it was fine. We managed to sort it out early. This year, the same problem. We asked questions throughout the year, and suddenly we're told in end of September that you've got to sort it out by November. Otherwise, they're going to also add the, you know, they get a contribution for transport allowance. That's also going to be added to the debt. It's going to be about amount of 5,000 rand. So when we asked, why is it you have so late? Couldn't you be notifying us during the year? And we've been asking about it. The, the simple answer was, well, at least you're paying 3,000. There's other students that have to pay about 15,000. So I think it's unfair to ask people who are battling suddenly at the end of the year to produce this amount of money. And that's where you're going to get some of the problems coming up because the results will be without. 
Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much, Anonymous. I tell you what, let's pause on the calls there because I think we have quite a few to get through and we want to do justice to all of them. Uh, let me just add this one from Luazi, who um, uh, is on the same track there as Anonymous. Uh, uh, Lizwi, rather. Lizwi says... Um, I've just got a, I've got a graduate with me that can't get his academic record because NASFAS could not pay his debt. Can you please ask, you know, what is the solution to this particular problem? Yeah, I think th- th- this one, we, we need to understand it further. If if the, the student was uh, funded by NSFAS, there's no ways that we were not paying the debt. The challenge that we're experiencing, and this is across universities, is that we're saying to universities they must submit signed documentation where a student is saying, this is how much I was owing the university, please pay it for me, as the minister has pronounced. And, 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 and as things stand, uh, Sakina, when, when the historic debt issue was mentioned, we received at least 71,000 intended beneficiaries for the historic debt funding. Uh, that was to, to the tune of 2.5 billion rand. We've not even come close to, to claiming that money. And this, when I say claiming, means universities making submissions on behalf of students to us. So I would want to, to follow this through and understand exactly where, where are the hiccups on that. And mm. the likelihood is the documentation has not reached uh, so it's first that for, possibility for, for, yeah. for one reason or the other, yes. Uh, but is there a way in which they can perhaps uh, fast-track this process because, you know, you've graduated and... All you have is your word to go on as you are job-seeking. So uh, I suppose that the, the one way to, to fast-track this, uh, Sakina, because initially our expectation was universities will make contact with their respective students and proceed to forward us documentation directly to, to NSFA so that we can, we can then process. I think it would be proper for us today to then say those students who, who believe that they are actually beneficiaries of this, they must engage with us directly. Then we'll see how we can fast-track that process on their behalf. But, uh, but it, it will take a bit of to, to, to complete it because we'll need to engage with the university to actually get proof that the student actually owes what they're telling us that they owe. Because the last thing you want to do is to pay this money in, into wrong accounts that you don't, uh, uh, won't be able to recover it back. So, Lizzie, I hope you'll follow up on that. Anonymous question there about, you know, being asked to make financial contributions, uh, you know, halfway through the year or even further on. Uh, Talk to us about that situation. You see, this is exactly one of the reasons why we're saying we would want to centralize this process at NSFAS. Different universities are applying different rules that suits their own environment. At NSFAS, if we were to ask you to, to, to contribute, that request would have happened once and then we'll pay the rest of what, what we're saying you, 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 we, we, should, we should pay for you. So I would also want to follow on this one to understand exactly what is happening at that university level. If the student is already an NSFAS beneficiary, as I said in the opening, we will be migrating the students to the following year because our funding model is such that we fund you until the duration of your studies. And it's a case that we should be able to resolve. I know we're giving you a lot of work uh, you know, from the show this morning, but as a courtesy, would you kindly please follow up on our listeners, uh, you know, their requests this morning for assistance in some of these regards because they, they, they're clearly battling here. We, we, we will follow up, uh, Sakina. We exist simply because of students. There's no other reason why NSFAS exists ex- except to serve the students. We will follow up on this, and I can make an undertaking that 
before the end of next week, we would have resolved most of these challenges. Mm. And I'll tell you what, we'll hand over the de- details we have from our production team. And if there's anything else coming through via email, etc., we'll hand it over to you. And I think we'll make time to come back before the end of the year and uh, maybe just follow up and also try and resolve a few more of these issues because they are critical. Um, let me see if we've missed any there. Um, uh, the lack of employment that was raised by Ntate Bukhosi. Yeah, that, that That's a big challenge. It's actually bigger than uh, NSFOS. But we, we are saying, together with our CETA colleagues, we, we would want to try and, and synchronize our our efforts here so that we see students through. And and, and it's really a challenge that at uh, at the government or at a country level, rather, unemployment, it's, it's, it's huge. Uh, we, we can assist where we can through our CETA's uh, relationships, but, but beyond that, we just need to continue to look for solutions. It's, it's not something that, you know, as an individual entity, we can say this is the silver bullet solution to this problem. Mm. And then a few quick answers. Someone wants to know, even if, uh, you know, they completed school six years ago, can they still apply and qualify for NASFAS? Six years ago, this means metric. Yeah, they matriculated and, and six years ago. Yes, they, they can still apply and qualify. All right. Uh, let's go back to the lines. Vusi in Durban, good morning to you. Good morning, Sakina. How are you? Well, and you, Vusi? I'm good. Look, man, I just want to ask a simple question because I believe that a lot of government money that should be going to direct to university and funding students get wasted through institutions like NSFAS. I want to ask you a direct question. How much of their total budget goes to operational costs, that is paying salaries, infrastructure, offices, etc., etc.? Then we want to see what, 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 what's the percentage there. That's one. Number two, I believe that NSFAS is easily manipulated at an institution level. The people that end up getting NSFAS are not the, not the deserving poorest of the poor. But it depends on which political party membership do you hold, what student organization will take you to the financial aid office, etc., etc. Grossly inefficient and waste of money must be shut down and the money sent direct to universities. It will go a long way towards uh, funding free quality education. Thank you. Thanks, Vusi. Uh, Sandile Mpangeni, good morning. Good morning, Sakina. How are you? Well, and you, Sandile? Good, good. I'll be very brief. Just a quick one. I, I, I learned from from Baker there that actually the the, the minimum requirement to have uh, NSFAS to to keep uh, your NSFAS is fifty percent at mark. My concern is that I mean I'm asking if they don't he doesn't maybe they have set the standard law themselves or they they created the bogleneggers themselves by uh, I mean by saying 50% is, is the requirement to keep the NSFAS. What I'm saying that is because, with my understanding, all universities, if, uh, I mean, the majority of them, they, they offer all eight modules a year. So the, the 50% pass mark will be from only four modules a year. If it does a degree for, for, if it's a degree for eight years, then a person has to pass 50%. It means, it, 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 it means that person can fail four modules a year, that requires him to, to have another two more years to complete a degree. So it means a degree that can be completed within three years can now be completed in five years. Mm. So, I mean, I, I mean, I, I think that the 50%, in fact, it's, it's 
adding a burden to the uh, to, to 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 already actually occupied the budget or, or that we have we are wow. adding. But I'll I'll, I'll listen on the radio um, from the from Thanks, Anile. Interesting point there. Um, GM in Toyando. Good morning, GM. Hello, GM. Hello. hello. Welcome. Can we can hear you now. Okay. What okay. about uh, The issue of centralization is it might be good, but we have a problem where you find that uh, those people who are working there they are having lesser information to some of the special cases, like uh, the students who are having disability. You find that really when we try to get some information, it's very difficult for them because you you, you find that they release a special or other documents which are needed there. And again, uh, a different university, as you have said, they have a different schedule to, 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 to apply this. You find that when they are sending their results, uh, uh, the results may be, and you find that SMSs they are not fit for, 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 for getting another another funding for the next year due to the fact that they are having a, a very big problem in their institution as you know that most of the institutions are not meant for for for, for those people then i i was requesting what about to try to, to check this, that, that that system on how i'm, I'm going to see those people okay thank you so much uh, gm and great questions there uh, Be- uh begani says i would like your guests to touch on how much they have lost due to corruption and how they plan to curb that uh, going forward and just a few others also on the very low pass mark uh, this one from pope sputla says why does the fund set such a low pass rate to qualify for continued support wouldn't 65 percent make it more competitive adding on to sunday's point there that perhaps you are causing some of your own problems with that very low pass mark let's start there okay let's start with the uh, question that sandile raised in the last uh, caller so our policy yes you're right it then adds another two years in into the, the funding uh, process but but as a country we need to to acknowledge certain things U- university education and the transition therefore from the metric level to university for most black kids is not one of the simplest things to do when we said high standards yes it's great it helps the country for us to move forward but we neglect kids who actually are battling to readjust into into the system and and we understand it's a sacrifice that we we, we then saying we, we need to, to to go through that and and our observations really have been that once students uh, pass your your first year be it they've passed 50 percent of the modules when they get into the second year they start to gain traction and beyond that and what we've also done we we, we motivate students to try to work hard in the sense that if you pass all your modules first year we then con- convert 40% of your loan into a bursary. Similarly, if you do that the second year, we convert 40% of your loan into a bursary. If you pass your diploma degree within record time the last year, we uh, give you a full credit on, on bursary. So, you know, it, it's an issue where we need to maintain a balance and find, uh, find, find a solution for it. So if we can then maybe improve on, 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 on our transition process from moving to secondary level to tertiary level, it's a problem that we can easily solve. But as it stands now, this is the reality that we, we, we faced mm. with. And then just very quickly on your budgeting issues, operations, what percentage of your budget actually goes to operational issues? So we only have, what, it's 170 million rand managing 14.9 billion rand. It's, it's, it's less than 1%. It's, it's not a lot. Actually, some of the inefficiencies that uh, 
we 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 have identified we we came to a point where we realized that you know we actually may need to 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 increase our infrastructure so that our operation can actually work better than what they do and with one one seventy really it's not that much. Well, I'll tell you what, we are hopelessly out of time and already encroaching into news time. But uh, we have so many questions yet. You can see all the messages from Facebook, from uh, the SMS line, Twitter, everywhere coming through. Unable to answer those this morning. Tell you what, uh, Victor, if we could perhaps go back, try and resolve some of the ones that we'll give you to take away today and then come back and answer more of these questions. Would you be willing to do that? More than happy to do that. So thank you so much for your time. And we'll speak to you again, hopefully very soon, uh, Mr. Victor Rambau, who's Head of Business Enablement at the National Student Financial Aid Scheme. And thanks for your fantastic participation. It's just after nine. And time for news now was Joalani Tulu.